I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Pick and Roll podcast. And today I've got a good one for you guys. Basically, it's the same old, same old here. We're going to break down full games. The games that we're going to break down this week are USC versus Colorado. Isaiah Collier did not play in that game. I think he's out until like sometime in February. Some hand injury, so we weren't able to scout him. But Brownie James did play. Kobe Johnson did play. And Colorado had a healthy Cody Williams, Tristan Da Silva, two guys that are really high-level draft picks. Both, you can make the argument both of them could be first-round draft picks. So really big game there broken down. The next game that we broke down is UConn versus Creighton. Finally got to break down a full game of Stefan Castle when he's really looking healthy. Try to get a feel for what he is. Donovan Klingon, as fun as always. I mean, there's so much fun breaking down Donovan Klingon. Defensive menace to the society. He's amazing. Creighton has Trey Alexander, who's been on NBA draft talks for as long as I can think of. He's a first, a second rounder. Ryan Kulkbrenner, who's a lot of people have just barely missing their mock drafts or, you know, really low on them. Next game we broke down was Duke versus Notre Dame. Jared McCain, Tyrese Proctor, you know, Kyle Filipowski had a really good game as well. He's going to be really fun to break down. And a guy from Notre Dame. So there is a 6'10 power forward named Kerry Booth. That's a freak athlete, which is the main reason why I wanted to watch this game against Duke. Get a feel for what his skill set was. Next game up was Oklahoma, where Jalen Moore played. I've broken him down before. I definitely feel like he is at least a second-round draft pick based on my last-time breakdown. And a guy that I did see in the Big 12 that I thought would be good enough to try to scout would be Raekwon Battle. He went had a great start after coming from his injuries. 6'5", shooting guard. will break him down as well. And out of the French, every every week somebody from France will be scouted and broken down here. And this week we got Melvin Nahitsia. Melvin Nahitsia was the guy that I watched and broke down. I'm very high on him. And man, was it fun watching him play. I cannot wait that you guys definitely want to hear that Melvin Nahitsia breakdown. Because, man, I, I definitely feel like he's special. So we're going to go ahead and kick it to the first game, which is USC versus Colorado. We obviously got Bronny James. Everybody wants to talk about Bronny James. I, that was one of the worst. That was a really bad game, honestly. I don't even think Bronny James scored a single point, and Isaiah Collier wasn't in the game. It was a really bad game. Defensively, he looked worse than he did in the last game I scouted him. There wasn't a ton of really interesting shot creation. Uh, you know, he's... I. Because of the heart issue that he dealt with, I'm still not going to rush to judge him completely about this game. But, you know, we'll scout him some more if it keeps on trending this way where the game is so poor. Then my big board of him being a late first round draft pick is going to plummet. You know, shooting splits aren't that good right now. He's averaging 5.9 points per game, 2.2 assists, 38% free goal percentage, 25% few. Three-point percentage and 64% free throw percentage. Again, it's he's got a lot of interest 
intriguing gifts at that 6'3", 6'4", height, the two-guard position where he's strong, athletic. But, yeah, it's it's going to come down to some time to see how good he really is in consistency-wise of what he can be because it's the heart issue. You, you just don't know what percentage he's at right now. So I'll give him this game as, like, a benefit of the doubt game. So he's going to stay where he's at, but if I keep on seeing more games, games like this, it's unreasonable to keep him late first because that was not a late first-round draft pick in this game against Colorado. That was a guy who was not going to be drafted if I had to be completely blown. All right, going to go ahead and kick it to the next guy from USC. Uh, that's noteworthy. Kobe Johnson, he's a very good defender at 6'6", really long guy. The issue has always been three-point shot shooting. Right now, he has 11.6 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 3.5 assists, does 37% field goal percentage, and he's shooting 28% three-point percentage, which is really the issue. I mean, that's not good enough for the NBA. So right now, I still have him undrafted. I personally still don't think... You know, I could definitely see a summer league team picking him up and giving him a shot there. But as an NBA draftable prospect, no, not until the three-point shot develops. But he did have a good game defensively. I mean, he's really good on ball, really moves smooth, has a good feel for things. Yeah, so averages 2.2 steals a game. That's pretty nice. Uh, so, yeah, Kobe Johnson's good enough defensively to be drafted, but offensively is what's holding him back. Alrighty, let's go ahead and kick it to the Colorado side of things. Cody Williams, six foot eight. Right now, he's averaging 15.1 points per game, 1.9 assists. Let's see here. 58% field goal percentage, 67% free throw percentage, 50% three-point percentage, which is absolutely ridiculous. It's still a extremely high-tier role player is the way I find him. I mean, he's got really good length. He's really smooth on ball. His length, he's got a really long wingspan, just like his brother did. His brother had like a, his brother also is the Oklahoma City Thunders charging two guard Jalen Williams. His brother had like a 7'2 wingspan. I, I put him in the range of 7'3, 7'4, because he's 6'8, but his really long arms, moves really well defensively, really fluid. He guards on ball very well. He did a really good job defensively in that game. You know, he's still somebody that can definitely drive to the rim well and be a very good standstill three point shooter. The only shot creation that he really has is the floater. I think I've seen the floater enough. To say it's not just a really raw shot than say Morris, it's a shot in his game that's very makeable and translatable to the NBA. So, you know, he he only has three areas that he can score from. It's either on the catch, catch and shoot three point shot, but he's so good and long and lengthy and good at get driving to the rim, he could go to the rim after catching the ball and he either finishes at the rim where he's very good at drawing fouls. Or he hits you with a floater if you're way too committed to guarding the rim and you're going to give him space like that. So those are the three areas that he can score from. It's not somebody that has enough tough shot creation skill set to be a high-level scorer. But, you know, 18, 17, 16, 15, in the flow of an offense kind of guy, sure. He's also a point forward. He's still, I, I, I think the 1.9 assist point per, per game don't speak how good of a passer he is. He's a very good passer. So he's a point forward, small forward guy that's a good defender. He's just going to be such an extremely high level role player in the NBA where he won't be the person that wins you a basketball game, but he's somebody that can make your team better. Like he's not going to make you lose games as well. 
I guess the best way to explain it is like he will he's a team first basketball player his style is very much a winning basketball player a very much like a third to fourth best player in an NBA championship team but there will never be a single second where Cody Williams can't impact a basketball game effectively because he has such a high floor and you know because of that he can be a very good starter in the NBA but he's not gonna you know be the person that's gonna be the best player on his team but you, he'll be a really good piece that leads to winning. You know, kind of like Draymond Green, where he's a very good winning basketball piece. You know what I mean? That's kind of the way I'm trying to describe it. You know, Cody Williams can be a guy like that where he really can lead to winning. But it's it's and it's going to be more than what the stat sheet shows. But again, there's a limitation on how much he can truly impact a basketball game. That's limiting his upside, and that's why I still have him graded six through eight draft pick. I still definitely feel like he's in that range. So yeah, Cody Williams, very interesting high floor draft pick. Tristan Da Silva is the next player to break down. He's six foot nine from Colorado. He is averaging fifteen point nine points per game, five rebounds, two point nine assists, one point one steals, fifty percent field goal percentage, eighty three percent free throw percentage, and thirty seven percent three point percentage. So yeah, I mean this guy's a below average athlete, you know, but he's six nine and he's really long and he he moves well enough to guard the wing position in the NBA. You know, he's still such a standstill three point shooter. There's nothing else other than being a standstill three point shooter. Now he did do some off ball screen movement where he's the shooter in those situations. Really it was really intriguing. This kid's name is the same kind of kind of stuff that you see JJ Reddick, Clay Thompson's of the world, Ray Allen's of the world do. It was a nice interesting wrinkle into his skill set, which makes him intriguing. So I still have him graded twenty six through thirty in the NBA draft. I feel like it's very realistic for him to be a long term role player in the NBA off the bench. All right, let's go ahead and kick it to the next game. That's going to be UConn versus Creighton. And let's break down the guy that everybody wants to talk about, the hot name from UConn. It's Stefan Castle. You know, he's had that injury with his hand or his ankle or something like that. Is Maybe it was a knee injury. Held about for like a month, and people were like, okay, well, let's give him some time to get back into the flow of things. Let's see how he's doing after a few games. Well, he's played 13 games so far, and he's averaging 9.4 points per game off of 4.8 rebounds. 3.5 assists, 1.2 steals, averaging 51, 45% field goal percentage, 71% free throw percentage, and 20% three-point percentage. So, really interesting guy. Stefan Castle, 6'6", extremely strong, well-built. He's a good passer. Is he like an overwhelming, amazing passer? No. But he's good, and he's good for the point guard position. He'd be above average if I had the title or something. You know, the best thing he does is defend. The man's so strong and so smooth defensively, he can really get on people. It's a little Lonzo Ballish on how elite he is guarding the point guard position. He is the real deal defensively. Duke can really defend. The 20% three-point percentage, let's just start there, is abysmal. That is extremely low. You know what I mean? Like 26, 27% is really, 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 really bad. But if we start talking 28, 29, 30, we're like, okay, it's really, really bad, but there's still a chance of, you know, him getting there. There's still a thought process that maybe, maybe, and that's just, that's the thought process that we people have with Nikola Topic because he shoots 28% from the three-point line in his league. But 20% is at the point in time where, like, will he 
ever be able to shoot the three-point shot in the NBA is a question. And, you know, at UConn, everybody guards him like the way Ben Simmons is guarded in the NBA. They give him a ton of space. So he isn't shooting 20% off these tough shots. No, he is wide open. They don't even contest his three-point shots. That's he's shooting as he's shooting practice shots. Like you're in warm-ups and you're getting ready for the game and it's open and he's shooting 20% in those situations. That's that's really really bad. That's 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 really bad. Cuz if he was shooting tough three-point shots, if somebody was shooting 16%, a few percentage points below that, that'd be like an equalness of a as good of a shooter. You know what I mean? Like the best way to put it is if, if a guy shoots tough shots and shoots 32% from the three-point line and a guy another guy shoots wide open three-point shots and they shoot 36 37% they shoot about equal cuz of the toughness of the shots is the best way to explain that difference so for him to be shooting 20% on extremely high quality looks is an extreme issue okay cuz when he gets guarded like Ben Simmons then it takes away his driving ability because of the because the dude is six six strong smooth in the pick and roll if he could shoot a three he could get to the rim whenever he wants to right it's, it's seriously good he is he's elite at that but he doesn't get in those situations because people are guarding him like they do and Ben Simmons in the NBA they are letting him shoot they're not even really guarding him and you know what I mean and on on top of that. Another issue is it, you can't even make the argument that, well, his three-point shot is not that good, but the mid-range shot, man, that looks really smooth. No, the mid-range shot's really bad. Like, he he was on the right side of the court, and he missed so bad to the right that it made it look like he was trying to bank the shot in when he wasn't at an angle to bank the shot in. You know what I mean? Like, his mid-range shot looks really bad, too. So where is he going to shoot from? Like, there's just no NBA level scoring skill at all here. And that is an extreme issue. Extreme issue. People who are 6'6 don't exist. The only guy that does that is Ben Sims, but he's 6'10, freaky athlete, right? Like, and, you know, he doesn't do it as well as he used to because of all the mental stuff, but, you know, like, he ain't Ben Simmons gifts. Ben Simmons was comp to LeBron James. That's how gifted. Ben Simmons is physically. And trust me, Stefan Castle's gifted. But 6'6", that can't shoot anything, does not exist in the NBA at point guard. And that is the real issue. But the intrigue is just so high. This this is such a tough scout, such a tough, you know, breakdown and understanding of what his game can really be. The shot just looks so broke. It, You know, I one thing that I listened to JJ Redick about that I definitely apply, definitely feel like was correct, is good shooters either miss, a, they shot it a little too far or it's a little too short, but they don't miss left or right, right? And it's, I def, definitely think it's like an accuracy thing there. And he misses left or right. It's, it's left, it's right, it's off the backboard. It's, it's, it's really bad. That jump shot looks broken. And uh, he can blame nobody else but himself, you know? And there's nobody else that can be blamed for his broke jump shot. And it's just so tough because he's so intriguing because he has so many gifts. Dude has top five pick gifts. He has top five pick gifts. Easy. Easy. Yeah. But it's dude gets guarded like Ben Simmons in college basketball. That's just not a good sign because the NBA is going to do the exact same thing. 
this is this is a guy that it is an extreme boomer bust draft pick. In a few years, he could be out of the NBA. In a few years, he could be the best player in the basketball team. I, you know, but it's 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 like seventy percent chance that he's out of the NBA. It's 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 just so far away. Uh, you know, it's really tough. Really, really, really tough. You know, if I'm Stephon Castle, I'm staying in college. Hope, but I, I don't think he'll. I have a feeling he'll go out. Right now, I have him graded as a 26 through 30 draft pick. It's tough, though. I could see him falling more on the draft board if these shooting splits stay the same, which, as bad as his jump shot looks, I don't expect it to get much better. You're not going to be able to improve that much in a few months. I'd be amazed. So, yeah, right now, I have him graded 26 through 30. If these shooting splits don't improve massively, then he's not going to move any higher than he is. He can only move lower on my big board the more I think about him. But, you know, I could definitely see a team like Minnesota looking at him at, at pick 28, 29, being like, oh, can't we pass on the upside? I could see teams like that thinking about him, but, man, the floor is just so realistic. And, you know, I, I trust me, I get why everybody else has him top 10, top 5. Look, look, dude's got gifts out the out of everything. But we're getting to the point where he's played 13 games it looks the same athletically, right? So it looks like he's kind of at what he would be. So it's it's not looking good right now. It's the shooting is egregiously bad. Like it's just so bad. So you know, I I have him graded twenty six to thirty. He could move down lower on the big board. He's just got such high upside. It's a really interesting prospect. But he, he is the prototypical boom or bust draft pick because it's just so. It's so, duh, so raw. Okay, let's go ahead and move it to the uh, center. Last person breakdown from UConn is Donovan Klingon. He's seven foot two, averaging two blocks a game, two point twelve point eight points, six point two rebounds, sixty one percent field goal percentage, fifty one percent free throw percentage, and zero percent three point percentage. You know, I've comped Donovan Klingon to Roy Hibbert <laughs> every time I watch him play. It's just so much fun. This dude's a defensive menace to society. His ability to block shots at the rim, unreal. But on top of that, to contest the shots. Even because he's not, again, he's not chasing blocks. Everybody likes the highlight tape of blocks, right? But the ability to contest the shot at the rim and not get, you may not get the block, but it's extremely well contested and you're not setting the other guys to the free throw line because you're not over committing to trying to block a shot is the exact description of what Donovan Klingon is. He is a elite rim defender, not a overly world-class shot blocker, right? He's never going to be Rudy Gobert where he's averaging three-point whatever blocks per game, right? And, you know, chasing the block stack. No, he is just a unreal rim defender. His ability to guard the guards and the pick and roll is really impressive as well. I mean, Trey Alexander is a good guard and Trey Alexander had some NBA level shots where he's hitting fadeaways of the dribble and stuff like that near the rim. And Donovan Klingon gave him some extremely tough contests on some really tough shots. So it was a really great look for him. Donovan Klingon also, you know, guarded better he guards better on the perimeter than you would think he's got a he actually blocked a shot on the three-point shot by from, from somebody he's just i'm telling you man he is a defensive menace to society i oof, he's got to be top three 
best rim defenders I've ever scouted in the past four years of doing this. He is really extremely elite. And he's really good at a lot of little things that people don't care about offensively. Dude's one heck of a screen setter. Like, if you pause the game after he sets a screen, you'll be like, man, his guy's wide open right now. He is really good at, like, tilting his screen a little bit. It's really hard to describe, but he doesn't just stand straight. He'll kind of, like, put his foot in leverage in a way where he'll lean out a little bit and it really makes it tough for people it's the dude can really he's an elite screener he's an elite pick and roll guy i mean he he puts the center when the guy has a when his teammate has the ball in his hands of the pick and roll a lot of his time is tristan newton i don't know if you guys know uconn basketball like that but a lot of times it's tristan newton the pick and roll right and he does such a great job of putting his the center and the guy that's guarding a tristan newton tough such tough positions with his ability to be in the pick and roll and always be in the line of sight for the guard, always putting pressure on things because he can be just seven two. Like he may not be world class athlete. I'll say this again: he's an average to maybe at best above average NBA athlete. But you know, he still can be a lob threat. He still can you know finish at the rim if you give him the ball in his hands near the rim and let him do a spin move or something like that because he he's an average maybe above average post player, but he finishes with length and nobody's going to be seven, two, not many people are seven, two in the NBA. So he'll always be able to finish with length. So he does a really good job in the pick and roll of doing his job correctly. And he makes it really easy for the ball handlers to be as effective as humanly possible. And, you know, he's just so good at the little things like that. He's a very good rebounder. He's, he's very dudes. Dudes very good. The little things that very go very unnoticed. This is a guy that can positively impact winning basketball. And if somebody's open, he can make a nice pass every once in a while. He's a capable passer for the center position. So, you know, I I definitely still feel like he's really just so polished. I definitely still think an 8-10 to 10 pick in the draft. Right now on my big board, I have him 8. And I definitely feel like he reminds me so much of Roy Hibbert and his body frame so similar to him. I'm a really big fan of Donovan Klingon. I definitely feel like he is just so gosh darn good at defending that rim. Defensively, he locks everything up. And his teammates love him. He brings a lot of energy to the game. He doesn't care about his points at all. He'll cheer and you know clap on his teammates for hitting a three. And he 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 he, he has he's a team guy. Team teammates love him because he wants his teammates to succeed. He doesn't care about scoring points. He doesn't care about his own accomplishments. He cares about winning basketball and his teammates having good moments. And he's just, he's a team first guy. Coaches will love the way that he is infectious at the center position. He has the edge and grit that's needed for the center position as well. He's hes a complete center. He's ready to be in the NBA. and He's start for a lot of teams in the NBA. And I, again, I feel very confident in the Roy Hibbert comp. As somebody that's a LeBron James fan who grew up in Cleveland, nobody gave LeBron. A lot of people think think of Joakim Noah because the Chicago Bulls were a better team than Indiana most of those years. But Roy Hibbert was the best center that guarded LeBron because of the power and the ability to defend the rim. And I definitely feel like Donovan Klingon could do that. And he's just so special defensively, man. I I, I could talk talk about Donovan Klingon for hours. I think he's an amazing prospect. And I feel like whoever gets him is going to win their draft pick. 
even though he may not score more than 12 to 14 points per game ever in the NBA. Just because he impacts winning basketball. So much fun. All right. Let's let's talk about something else before this podcast becomes three hours. All right. Let's talk about the... <laughs> so sorry. For some reason, I really thought it was funny. Okay. Let's talk about the Creighton side of things. We got Trey Alexander, Ryan Kalkbrenner. Trey Alexander is a 6-3 shooting guard from Creighton. Right now, he's averaging 16 points per game, 6 rebounds, 4.6 assists, 1.4 turnovers, 77% free throw percentage, and 30% three-point percentage. The, the most interesting thing about that is the 30% three-point percentage. Because last year, when he goes to sophomore, he shot 40%. And I'm like, where is this coming from? I highly doubt that that's going to stay the same as it is right now. But, you know, if it does, he'll move a little bit lower on the draft board just because of the three-point shot. But... You know, he's a very interesting game. He's uh, not an overly gifted athlete. He's a really long wingspan. Uh, you know, he's a stronger guy. He's definitely a, somebody that's got a really good Euro step, good feel for finishing at the rim, even though he didn't get as many opportunities as the elite at that because Donovan Klingon's Donovan Klingon. I guess normal, non-elite rim defenders, you know, he looks so good in those situations. And, you know, he has a really nice fadeaway in the rim near the six to eight feet out where he'll fade away at the rim and has a really nice touch touch at that situation. He's an above average passer for the two guard position. I don't buy in the hype that he's going to be a point guard level guy. I feel like he's a two guard. And I still definitely feel very confident about my comp for Taylor Horton Tucker, who's a backup two guard for the Utah Jazz, a longer guy that's got an odd game that can give you a few solid points here or there defense. Uh, off the bench. I still feel very comfortable saying that about Trey Alexander. Evans a really early second round grade, but that's assuming that that 30% three-point percentage doesn't stick because, again, he shot 40% three-point line last year. It's so confusing. So he'll drop down if that sticks. I don't expect it to, but, yeah, interesting guy. And then we'll go ahead and go to go to Ryan Kalkbrenner, foot one center from Creighton. He is averaging 16.3 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, one assist, 2.8 blocks, 63% field goal percentage, 65% free throw percentage, and 28% three-point percentage, which is intriguing because it's close enough to think maybe in a few years, maybe in a few years he could develop the three-point shot. You know, he's listed at 270 pounds, which I think is a little overstated, but, you know, it's... It's he's a bigger guy, not like a. Hello, let me let me rephrase that. He's a got a good strong frame, not like overly strong, but you know he's not like a wide guy in the stomach area or something like that. I don't want you guys to misconstrue a big guy and think wide guy. No, he's he's a thinner frame. He's really tall, seven foot one. You know, I it's kind of funny. I think he's a poor man's clinging. Like I definitely feel like he's a really good shot blocker at the rim as well. He definitely. You no, know, does pretty well in the pick and roll as well. Like Duke can really shot block. Duke can t- t- test shots. He's pretty solid. You know, he's a pretty decent screener. You know, he's a pretty decent uh, above average post guy. I definitely think that his rim defense plus a seven one length could lead to the thought process of him being a late second round draft pick as a drop coverage center. And, you know, I still, people don't really have him in that range. I'm like the only person that really thinks that most people don't have him there. But I I, I do think as like a late second round draft pick, 
I think like it's totally reasonable to think that his shot blocking abilities can translate to them because he's seven foot one. It's not like he can't rebound on that level. It's not like he's not big enough to screen and things of that nature. And the three point shot is intriguing as well long term. So I still have him graded as like a forty five through fifty draft pick. You know, I I definitely I still think that he could be somebody that could be a backup drop coverage guy. Like the Utah Jazz, for example. Walker Kessler's a really good solid starting center in the NBA. I could definitely see him being a backup to Walker Kessler do this, you know, similar type stuff in that scheme, right? In most NBA When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah, teams do run drop coverage. It's rare for Warriors-type teams where they're switching everything or the Atlanta Hawks where they try to switch everything. Most teams run drop coverage because they're defending the rim is just, just so important. And, you know, he can do it at elite level. Like, I think he's basically in line to win back-to-back defensive player of uh, the Big East. So, you know, that's that's a guy that's in a short list of really elite. That's a really in- unique... Um, <laughs> unique trophy for him but he's he's a very good sneaky good defensive guy and i think he it could translate to him being a second round draft pick so you know i i definitely like him more than a lot of people but you know it is what it is ryan Kalkbrenner, really interesting guy all right so the next game up is that duke versus notre dame game on the duke side of things we have kyle filipowski we'll go ahead and talk about tyrus proctor first <laughs> tyrus proctor's six foot five point guard 9.7 points per game Two point about three point nine assists, forty three percent field goal percentage. Let's see here, seventy seven percent free throw percentage, and thirty three point nine three point percentage. So he's getting up to thirty four percent. So you know, Tyrese Proctor. Last time we talked about in this podcast is like Tyrese Proctor's driving to the rim. Let's go, nice. All right, let's move him up the backboard. And then I watch him play against Notre Dame. I'm like, man, Tyrese Proctor fooled me, man. Dude didn't drive to the rim at all. He didn't drive to the rim at all. It's the same thing we kept on talking about over and over and over. Like, Tyrus Proctor's not driving to the rim. Tyrus Proctor's not driving to the rim. Tyrus Proctor's not driving to the rim. Watch him flip another full game, like three or fourth. And then we're like, rim attack, rim attack, rim attack. I'm like, okay, well, Tyrus Proctor's finally that guy. Uh, I will never, now we're getting to the point in time, if I see it again of him driving to the rim, it's going to be like, well, I have so much uh, tape that, you know, it's just, I don't believe in it. So 
you know, it's getting back to where it was beforehand where, you know, this guy is so six, he's six, five has top five, top 10 pick gifts. He's got gifts, you know, oozing out of his, his body. He doesn't use them. He's a very good on ball defender. You know, the shooting splits aren't really that bad. He has a very basic shot creation abilities. Nothing overwhelmingly amazing there. So pull up mid range stuff. It's nothing too crazy, you know, and I definitely feel like the intrigue is his ability to be a point guard at that size and be an average passer at the size, but getting to the rim, but he's, you know, he's not doing it as much as more. So I have him back down to like the 20 through 25 draft pick again. I feel like he's still in that range because Tyrese Proctor just doesn't turn it on offensively and getting to the rim, but the intrigue of his ability to do that in the NBA is still interesting. So, you know, I still feel like he's a late first round kind of guy and you know, I don't see another good game of me seeing him do the rim attacking again, really changing the three games that I've seen. Of him. Just nothing. It's amazing. Okay. We'll go ahead and talk about Kyle Filipowski next. Seven-footer, averaging 18.2 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.9 blocks, 51% field goal percentage, 70% three-throw percentage, 42% three-point percentage. And, wow, has that three-point shot come around. Last year, he shot like 28-27%. You know, he was around 30% for a long time this year, and he has gotten hot hot from the three-point line and um you know 40 percent three-point shooter is insane he's got such good post skill he's a very good passer for the center position has a really solid handle can bring the ball up the floor you know he has some shot creation off of that handle as well which is really intriguing and you know defensively he's below average at best but he's improving. He used to be terrible freshman year. This is a sophomore year. He's getting better at it. There was some moments in time where he defended the rim well. You're, you're starting to see the potential of him becoming an average uh, defender in the NBA because at least he's seven foot and he's got a little bit of a average frame that he could put on enough muscle to defend the rim just well enough. But, you know, he's starting to put it together. The three-point shot's coming together. The passing's coming together. The, the post footwork's still extremely elite. You know what I mean? And I definitely feel like he's moving up to what I had on him as the first game I watched where I had him in the lottery. I had him in a lottery pick because, like, the man, that three-point shot's there. You know, all the passing is so improved. He's a good passer for the center position. There's so many guys like Alper and Sagoon and Nikola Jokic that makes his style of play more valuable because the NBA has you know a ton of tape on seeing how it can be used how 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 effective it can be to winning basketball Kyle Filipowski has a lot of those traits and yeah he's back up there now he is in the lottery right now for me and I could definitely see him working his way up to like it's not that great of a draft class this year there there could be if this 40% three-point shot sticks he could move up to a top five pick like because I'm telling you when it Sangoon's got a lot of things to make Sangoon's work is his passing. He can be an initiator of offensive sets, the passing, the post footwork. Kyle Filipowski has the second best post footwork I've seen since Alperin Sangoon and the skill. And a lot of things also come down to the Alperin Sangoon's really developed a really good handle. And Kyle Filipowski has a really good handle already at Duke and has show shot creation off that handle that's really intriguing. A pair with their passing puts defensive players in really tough positions. Kyle Filipowski can do the same thing, right? Jokic can really shoot that three-point shot. Kyle Filipowski is shooting 40% for the three-point line right now and where 
started. Oh, no, I'm not going to comp him to Jokic. I just want to say he is not Jokic. Okay, I'm not. I'm just throwing out names to put things in perspective. But you know, I, I I'm not throwing out that. Okay, he's not the next Jokic. If he was, he'd be the number one pick. And I'm just going to put that out there now. But there's a lot of Sengun here, and. Man, Sengun's really worked out in the NBA. He's having a heck of a year for the Houston Rockets. And, you know, but it comes down to a team figuring out how to use him as well. So it took Houston a while to figure out how to use his skill set because last year, they were just coming off the bench, right? So not every coach really understands how to unlock their skill set. Fit's going to really matter for Kyle, but if Kyle gets in the right place, he could be the hidden diamond in the rough in draft class. And, I could definitely see him working more up on this draft board at 40%, three-point percentage, which is insane, sticks, right? Yeah, he's one heck of a college basketball player. The whole Duke offense runs through him. Man, can he make tough passes to three-point shooters in the post. He adds so much efficiency to your offense. And, you know, even though Javis Messi gave him some issues, the idea that, you know, the because Alperin Sengun, because the, neither one of those guys were great athletes, right? Alperin Sengun was the thought process, well, he's pretty solid, but got a lot of skill, but athletic guys at the NBA are going to give him issues, right? And But there comes a certain point in time where the skill could defeat the athleticus. And so I, I do think as rapidly as Kyle Filipowski's sales get has grown, you can make the argument that it could keep on growing to a certain point in time where he doesn't, the athletic guys don't matter anymore because he could just hit tough shots. So yeah, I mean, the more I talk about him, the more I think I should move him on my big board even more right now. So uh, Filipowski is a very intriguing prospect that could really turn this NBA draft on its head the more you think about just Sangoon's success really makes him more elite. So yeah, what an intriguing prospect. Kyle Filipowski, we're definitely going to keep on breaking down these games because he's must-see TV. Um, as a Duke basketball fan, I, it's fun to watch as well. So uh, yeah. Okay, we're going to go ahead and kick it to the Notre Dame side of things with Kerry Booth. Kerry Booth is a 6'10 power forward from Notre Dame, averaging 6.4 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, 40% field goal percentage, and he's averaging 28% three-point percentage and 55% free throw percentage. He's a freshman. So, you know, that stat line doesn't sound like somebody that Jason would think, oh, wow, okay, a draftable prospect. Well, he's a freak of a freak of a freak of a freak of a freak athlete. I mean, we're talking number one pick level athlete okay dude can move crazy well laterally crazy well vertically he's got a little bit of a thinner frame right now the handle looks really smooth you know i the dude's interesting you know even though this isn't a game that i watched everybody knows about ryan dunn ryan dunn it's everybody's extremely high on him because of his defensive capabilities i termed him as an all nba level defender and i watched a little bit of of that game to and I got intrigued by him. Kerry Booth handled the ball and blew past Ryan Dunn. So like his gifts are just in a different tier. Yeah, so it's really intriguing, but he's really just too raw right now. That's what I realized watching this game. I thought I was going to have like a second round draft pick grade on him, thinking that okay, well this guy's really intriguing. I think he's too raw for the NBA right now. But when it comes to after this draft cycle is over and we start talking about next year's draft, better believe he's going to be top 10 on that big board because, whoa, 
wow, 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 athletic gifts. And the handle looks really smooth. 28% three-point shot. That argument could be made that he could be a good enough three-point shooter next year where things become interesting. 6'10", really long. He could get the guard one through five. Like That's how elite athletically this guy is. Okay, really interesting guy. Really fun watch. But again, it's going to be a next year guy, not at this year. All right, the next game to break down, it's Oklahoma versus West Virginia. In that game, we got, for Oklahoma side of things, Jalen Moore, somebody I talked about last week, six foot seven, averaging 9.4 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, off of 53% field goal percentage, and uh, 40% three-point percentage, which is really nice. This guy is such an elite athlete still. I mean, dear goodness. Is he good athletically? Man, really got a really great strong frame. On ball defensively, he is a stopper, a shutdown guy. I mean, he will lock you up. Really great in passing lanes. His athletic gifts gets used really well, but he also doesn't overcommit and you know allow you know, teams to beat him with backdoor cuts and things of that nature. Um, he's an extremely elite on ball defensive player. Uh, really good three point shot. Hey, forty two percent for forty percent from the three point line is really nice. And yeah, they were seventeen games played this year, so it's definitely looking like it's stable. You know, the the question that I had last week was like, man, his handle looks so raw. Well, in this game, man, he he put the ball on the floor and got it to the rim a lot, and it looked really nice. And one play, oh man. Yeah, I'm sure you saw it on ESPN highlights. If you didn't, I'm very surprised because he dunked on somebody from their center from West Virginia. Dunked all over him. Uh, Yeah, so Jalen Moore, to me right now, has proven a lot handle-wise. I feel like that was definitely the question. The thing holding him back from being a first-round draft pick, right now I have him as a first-round draft pick. I I definitely feel like, you know, 20 through 25 range, I still feel very comfortable with throwing out the name the name OG Ananubi to try to put his gifts into perspective. Dude's got a lot of natural gifts that you just can't teach. He gave West Virginia so many issues in the passing lanes. You know, they pressured the ball well, like full court pressure and he was the main guy in that full court pressure and he was just terrorizing them defensively. And also they used him in like a pick and roll as the roll man as well to in this game. It was a really interesting wrinkle for Oklahoma. He's when they use him like that, they could be a very good college basketball team. But that's that's not what we're here to talk about. But Jalen Moore had a really great game. Really proved a lot of things with his handle that I really wanted to see, which makes me very happy. So yeah, you know, happy for him. First round draft pick. Feel very comfortable saying that. All right. So the West Virginia side of things, Raekwon Battle. So I was trying to look for Big 12 players to watch. This guy had a great start to the season. He's averaging six six. He's six foot five, averaging sixteen point five points per game, four point nine rebounds, one assist, forty two percent field goal percentage, twenty eight percent three point percentage, and you know. I first saw him, I was like, man, there's some Jordan Clarkson there. I watched him play against Oklahoma, and he's no Jordan Clarkson. Okay, so, you know, his the best way to put this, he's a, a below-average athlete, thinner guy, which is not a great start. You know, he's he's got some shot creation ability, but it's very, what's the word I want to say? It's not so elite that he's an NBA shot creator, right? And he is, he's, he's somebody that can shot create for West Virginia, a low level team like that. But it's, it, it it's so low level that it's like, well, 
he'd have to be a good defender for there to be some intrigue there. But man, is he a terrible defender. The worst defender I've scouted this year is Raekwon Battle from West Virginia. I mean, it's abysmal. He makes James Harden look like an all-NBA defender. <laughs> like, his team defense? Oh my goodness. I... I I think Oklahoma scored 20 points off of just cuts to the basket. I, I have never seen somebody more lazy defensively. Seems like a negative, a me, me kind of guy. He just doesn't seem like a team player. He thinks he, he, you know, I definitely feel like scouts would extremely question his mental, you know, thought process and his ability to be a team player on the NBA level. Defensively, it was abysmal. On ball, he couldn't stop anybody. It was super simple stuff. It wasn't elite stuff. It's just you make one move and you're getting to the basket. I He may average 20 points per game, but gives up 30 to 35. It's like amazingly bad. It was impressive how bad he was defensively. I mean, no communication, no care of the world, negative body language, shugging his shoulders after he gets beat on ball. Oh man, that was your fault. No, that was your fault. You're the one that let him just walk right past you to the rim. uh, Man, it's abysmal defensively. You can't put him on the NBA floor. He'll he'll have a red flag sticking off of his back saying, attack me. He's not a draftable prospect. I personally, if I was running a summer league team, I wouldn't give him a thought. Um, I could see somebody else thinking about it and maybe giving him a shot at summer league, but no, not an NBA guy. I don't think he'll ever be an NBA guy. I think a lower level overseas team, maybe. I don't think like a EuroLeague team is going to take this kind of guy that doesn't defend like that's not a team guy. A high-level European or French basketball team is not going to take him. Maybe like somewhere in Taiwan, something like that, maybe where he could be the guy. Sure, but not high-level European basketball. No, no, no. Low, low, low level. And and his, yeah, his play style's not an NBA fit at all, so... I thought it was going to be, hey, you know, Kerry Booth and Raekwon Battle, they missed these uh, NBA draft pick type of thing, but that's why I watch full games and really trust my full game eye. So Raekwon Battle, no need to keep on dragging through, through the mud. He's not an NBA prospect. Okay. All right. The last game to break down is Melvin and Hensia from France. Again, every week we're going to be scouting some French guy because these French guys are crazy. Tijuana Saloon, Melvin and Hensia, Zachary Rashire, and, you know, somebody, there's someone, another guy that we might scout. It's coming up soon. Paddock of Didlet might be interesting, but the main three guys are Hensia, Saloon, Rashire. So. This week is uh Melvin Ahencia. So let's go over the Melvin Ahencia. He's listed as six, six foot eight. I personally think he's six seven. It'd be even more impressive if he was six eight though. Right now his shooting splits. I'm playing in the French A basketball league, which is the highest level of French basketball that there is. Few of those teams are playing in the Euro Cup, so it's a really high level of basketball. It's probably in top three leagues in the world. So he's averaging nine point seven points per game, fifty. Point nine percent, two point percentage, thirty five percent, three point percentage, and eighty seven point nine percent free throw percentage, which is really nice. And you know he is really strong, really athletic. You know he has the ability to handle and gets the rim so well. People really can't stay in front of him. You know, and he had some really tough moves this game. I'm you know 
Coming into this game, Melvin Enhancia was just like showed some flashes of three point shot creation in the U nineteen game, and when you mix that one last game I saw where he was just getting to the rim so easily, and you know the tough shots he had near the rim was really interesting. But he added some new wrinkles today that really makes him more elite. There was on the baseline he was driving to the rim, and he had this crazy one legged fadeaway shot on the baseline that was just such an extremely high level mid-range shot i mean it was an nba elite elite shot the footwork on it was so smooth he's so skilled it was really really nice seeing that shot he's also left-handed as well and he also had this crazy like sprinting to the right and like fade away shot like but it wasn't really close to the rim it was like outside the free throw line was really tough as well. Just got some really nice, tough mid-range shot creation that's really, really impressive. And when you pair that with somebody that's a, a good three-point shooter at 35%, in the last game, I also saw him come off-ball screens. The guys that do that, think about like J.J. Redick, Rayel, and Clay Thompson's of the world. Last game, I saw him do that. This game, I also saw him do that again. It was really nice. It was nice to see consistency at that skill set. And, you know, it's really intriguing with his athletic gifts and the size and his ability to handle and get to the rim. And the mid-range shot creation looked extremely elite today. You know, he's such a good defender as well. He's very good on ball. He's got really good upside defensively. And, you know, he also, in the fast break, oh, dear goodness, he had a crazy Euro step at the rim. On the fast break, he looked like uh, nobody's stopping him. As soon as you saw him one-on-one on the fast break, it was like two points. <laughs> nobody's stopping this six-seven freak at the rim. Okay. <laughs> the Euro step looks smooth, too. It's a nice another uh, thing that you can add to the skill set that we've seen from him. It's a really interesting skill set where he's skilled at every level of the floor, you know, at the U19 game, I saw some three-point shot creation that if I see, then uh, he'll become even more crazy. Melvin Hensia, to me, is still a three-to-five pick level player. He's extremely close to being two-to-three, you know, and if I see three-point shot creation, we could start talking number one pick level talent. You got to think about it. Like, let's talk about small forwards in the NBA just to put this into perspective. Okay. NBA small forwards. All right. You know, there's guys like Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler that are mid range shot creators, right? You know, there's guys like Andrew Wiggins who are really good standstill three point shot creators. Every once in a while, they have some mid range shot creation and really get to the rim, right? You know, let's not throw out names like. Kevin Durant or something like that for this conversation. But there's guys like that, right? And, you know, there's guys like uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, you know, Kyle Kuzmans of the world. These guys are mid-range shot creators. Paul George has got a lot of skill to his game. And I definitely feel like his skill set is so intriguing because there's some guys that are really elite athletically, strength-wise, and get to the rim. And they pair that with mid-range shot creation. Jimmy Butler, right? And Kawhi. But, you know, the ability to mid-range shot create, get to the rim, be a good three-point shot creator, have skilled finishing at the rim, do the off-ball screen stuff. The only guy that's 6'7", 6'8", doing that is Paul George. Now, I I don't think he's quite Paul George yet, but that's that's, because the off-ball movement stuff, you, you can't catch most of these guys doing that at the 
three point. You might see Kawhi do it in the mid range, but you just can't catch NBA small forwards doing that at the three point line that are really great athletic guys that can get to the rim and be scores. Like Jason Tatum's not doing it. You know what I mean? Scotty Barnes, Brandon Ingram's not doing it. Franz Wagner might every once in a while, but you know, he's not as elite athletically as this guy is. Chris Middleton's not doing it. You know, Mikhail Bridges is doing that stuff, but he doesn't have the ability to, like, shot credit off the dribble as well as he can. It's an extremely intriguing skill set. Very, very interesting. And, you know, it's it's a really good mix of good athletic strength and shot creation off the dribble that looks really, really elite. And if I see him shot create a three-point line, you better believe that he is going to move up to the two to three and maybe number one pick level talent because dude's got athletic gifts oozing out of him. Great strength. Melvin and Hinsia. You know, the reason why nobody's really talking about him is because it's extremely tough to get full games of him. He's not playing in the Euro Cup. He's not playing in the FIBA World Championships. You know, I think Rocher and and, uh, Saloon are playing in those kind of things. It's easier to find full games of those two guys, you know, because he's only playing in French basketball. And But, man, Hinsia's skill set, if he was playing on Duke or... North Carolina and the ACC, we would all be like, holy Melvin Valencia. Trust me, the skill set's insane. Even if nobody else in the world sees it and the NBA draft doesn't see it, I will see it. And look, I was right about Cam Thomas, so I have cachet, okay? I had Cam Thomas ranked 13th coming out in my NBA draft board when I had him coming out. And he was drafted 26, 28. And look at Cam Thomas now. Look, I, I got a good eye for these shot creators, okay? I really genuinely do. You know what I mean? And I'm telling you, man, Adhitsia's got it. And another thing that people really don't really talk about a lot is he doesn't take more than four dribbles. And his shot creation is not going to interrupt the flow of the coach's offense as well, right? He's not somebody who's going to take a ton of dribbles. You need to be him at the top of the key for him to get a shot. No, he's a wing player that you don't need to run offense for. You just need to pass the basketball to. You don't, you don't have to do a single thing for him to do his thing. And he his, his ability to shot create, it's not going to take more than three to five seconds. So he's not going to interrupt the flow of any offense, right? So... You know, his shot creation fits very well in the NBA as well because of those reasons. He's extremely skilled. He's very athletic. He was six foot eight. He becomes even more intriguing. This is a guy that can be a number one pick prospect if I, if I see the three point shot creation, like I saw at the U19 game where he played for France. So, man, interesting. Really interesting. This guy's got a lot. I still have him three on my big board. He's holding off Zachary Rocher as number four. And uh, these French players, wow. This French national team, I'm like eight years. Wemby, Saar, <laughs> Adencia, Rocher, uh, Saloon. They're going to be insane in eight years. They also got a guy named Nolan Trore, who's probably the best point guard in the age group. He'll, he'll be somebody to talk about next year's draft class. Don't want to spend too much time talking about Nolan Trore right now, but you know I have him. He's on the back burner. But yeah. So, Melvin and Hensia, what a heck of a player. So much fun to watch. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to go ahead and uh, break down next week's games. So, 
Next week, we're going to break down the G League Ignite game. There's going to be some game that Ron Hall and Matos Bazelis are both going to play in. I'm going to scout that game. Kentucky versus Georgia play against each other. Uh, Jabir Abdul Rahim's a six foot a guy from Georgia. We're gonna break, go ahead and break him down. Really interesting to see a full game of him, and uh, I definitely want to break down Aaron Bradshaw. Hopefully, he played in that game. UConn versus Villanova is also on the schedule. Stefan Castle, Stefan Kinglin, Klingon. Specifically speaking, from Villanova, I watch Hakeem Hart, and I think he could be an NBA prospect. And definitely, we're gonna watch some sort of French basketball next week. It's, it's gonna be one of the three guys: Saloon, Rocher, or at probably won't be at Hensia because I don't like doing this game guy multiple weeks in a row. And uh, other than that, there's no other games on the schedule because I was going to watch West Virginia versus Kansas, but the way Rakan battle looked, there's no intrigue in watching him play again. So, yeah, that's basically what's going to be coming next week. I could this week. I know he's not playing right now, uh, but, you know, there's probably some games that I can find from the ABA uh, Bas- Mega Basket League that I might think about watching later in the season that he's played. So, yeah, you know, going to be a really interesting week next week. Definitely want to check out that <laughs> the website that I have that has my top 60 big board that, that I updated basically as soon as I scout somebody, I update that big board. The mock draft, I also did update to reflect my increasing enjoyment of Zachary Shear's game and uh, the, the changes of the big board has been definitely going to want to check out that. Very excited about it. Definitely so much fun for you guys to have, be able to have the resource. And you know, this is the full game breakdowns. I'm really ha- happy to give you guys this podcast. I'm really appreciative of everybody that listens, anybody that talks about the friends about the podcast. Cool. If you if you don't want to talk about anybody about the podcast, you just enjoy it. I still appreciate you, right? You know what I mean? I appreciate everything. Hopefully you guys had a great week and you guys have a great week coming up. So thank you. Peace out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.